Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the SOX, or better known as Superdome Sports Radio Today's guest is the legendary high school girls basketball coach, Tom Gonzalez. How you doing today, Tom? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, we're, we're just honored to have you as, uh, as, as you are to, uh, to be here. And uh, before we get started, I feel it's necessary that we have to let uh, our listeners know or understand uh, what you've accomplished in your time period as a head coach. Uh, you compiled a record 579 wins and 69 losses, some ridiculous 30, 93 or 94% winning percentage, which in my opinion is absolutely insane. Um, you've had seven state championships, 13 straight section, San Joaquin section titles, and uh, 11 uh, NorCal titles. In addition, to winning a national championship one year and you being named coach of the year twice. Those, my friends, are the types of accomplishments that are absolutely legendary and you need to have hats off to you and I give you a kudos for that. I appreciate it. uh, I just, uh, you know, I think what makes things even uh, greater in my eyes is the kind of competition that we played. You know, we played a national schedule uh, every year and it gets the best teams in the country and 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 I, yeah I guess my I'm not really into personal accolades but being named national coach of the year twice um, yeah I, I, I'm pretty I, I really appreciate those honors well and, and see and here's the thing um, to give and, and, and it's no secret I'm a St. Mary's alum okay. <laughs> I when I, I went. I go to. You know, I, I coached at a school called Rite of Passage, right up here in San in the San Andreas Hills. And I worked at. It's an at-risk school with a bunch of boys who hadn't even really played much basketball. And I'm I'm having to teach them and start from scratch. I would go to these Nike basketball coaches clinics in Las Vegas. I go to my very first one. I get off the plane. I'm wearing a St. Mary's hat. And there's other coaches from all over the country there. Four of them stop me and say, hey, 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 uh, is that St. Mary's? And I look at them. I'm like, yeah, where are you from? One guy's from Pennsylvania. Another guy's from Connecticut. Another guy's from D.C. And another guy's from New Jersey. And they're going on and on about seeing you guys playing or playing their kids playing against you guys down in Arizona in that Nike tournament. Right. Right. That's when it hit me. <laughs> This isn't a city brand or a county brand (laughs) or a NorCal brand or even a state brand. This is a national brand. That's impressive. Well, you know, I've been for for that. Sorry. Were you going for that? Was that what you were trying to uh, accomplish was to be a national brand? You know, uh, when I first got to St. Mary's, um, you know, my goal was to get in the top 25 in the country. And I, I, I remember every Monday the rankings would come out on the USA Today and I'd go down to the store and it, <laughs> and buy and, and uh, just wishing we could get in the top 25. It probably took maybe five or six years because they don't they don't give you that kind of recognition unless you do it over and over and over again and then they yes. start catching the national eyes and and uh 
So, I mean, I had some really good teams that weren't even nationally ranked because we didn't have that reputation. And right. uh, once we established that reputation, my other teams benefited from what the young, the first teams accomplished. Now, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot a little bit. And you can you can answer this any way you want, but I'm going to persist a little. <laughs> what team did you coach that you would look back and say, that's the best team I've coached? You know, I, I, I actually there's there's two or three, but uh, the one that was crowned national champion. You know, we had two McDonald All Americans in 2010, That's right? And That's right, and um, that team was really good. Uh, but the, you know, I mean, we had a team earlier with uh, Jackie Jamalos, Dominic Banks, Renee Roberts. That was I don't know that was like 2002 or something, and that team right. that team was loaded. But uh, <laughs> and then and then then we had another team in 2015 or 17 that won. We won the the the, the open division in 2016 and in 2017. That team all came back. Almost everybody came back from that uh, state open championship team, and we won like 63 straight games. And I'm just guessing on that. We got upset. Wow. We got upset. Um, so we didn't get to go to the state, but but that team was really really good. I mean, I think we had like eight Division One, nine Division One players on the team, and uh, so you know, but the 2010 team finished it. You know, they got they they they, they were the national champions, and um, and so I guess you would have to go that direction. Well, I would ask you then. I'm going to follow up with this question: <laughs> What was your favorite team that you coached? Oh man! And yeah, that's a and yeah. Question. I'm gonna make some of your old players mad, but I'm gonna ask the question anyway. <laughs> you know, uh, that's just a tough, tough question because uh, I I can even say my last year's team, they were just mm-hmm. they were my last year's team was so much fun to coach, and they had zero maintenance. I mean, they were just phenomenal. So uh, when you you know favorite as far as. Uh, success you know i mean it's two different things and um right but that last year's team was just one of my favorites if not the my favorite see and and here's why i asked that question the average person doesn't understand that sometimes your best team you don't actually necessarily feel as if that was your best job yes well i i I think my best job my and, and one of my favorite teams uh as well is the year after uh, my two McDonald All-Americans uh, graduated uh, in 2011, and everybody thought, "Oh, let's see what this coach could do now without <clears throat> and uh, without these two McDonald All-Americans." And we won the state the following year after losing the two McDonald All-Americans with uh, Allie Gibson and uh, I mean Reggie Cameron. We we it was just a, a real. A, a Kendall Kenyon. It was it was a team that just played together, and so that was one of my favorite teams as well. Now, what you did differently than most coaches uh, would attempt to is, like you said, you took on some major competition. You basically went to the places and uh, and competed against programs, coaches that had national prominence. Exactly, and, and uh, 
you know, I mean, I, w- 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 the year that we won the national championship, we actually played in a T-Mobile Classic in, oh boy, where was that? El- Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, we played, uh, we beat uh, two teams there. It was just a two-game thing. And we and we beat two teams there. They end up winning their state championships. Uh, so, you know, we played against the, now, the very best. Do you remember where they were from? Do you remember where they were yeah, from? Yeah, Nor- Norcross, Pennsylvania, and and the Alabama team. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the Alabama team, but oh, they were so good. And I mean, T-Mobile, <laughs> T-Mobile put on a on an event that was unbelievable. Uh, it was at Samson University, and oh, what a what! I mean, it was on national television. It, it was Hoover, Alabama, and they're still good. I mean, oh, okay, okay, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that, that was that was one of the the best events I've ever been to. I mean, the Na- the Nike TLC is always phenomenal, though. And, and in fact, I was going to bring that up as well. Now. How that tournament and how that works, a lot of people don't understand that there's layers to that. That there's different categories, different uh, 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 opportunities to play in that tournament. But it also is a kickoff to let people know who somebody is going to be when in their state in terms of being uh, a program to be reckoned. With. Right, right. If you win that tournament and you go on and win the state championship, uh, you will most likely be the national champion. That's the way it looks. That's simple. Yep. Huh? Yep. Yep. I mean, that's that has happened mo- more times than not. Put it that way. Now, when they set up something like that, is there a criteria that they use, to your knowledge, as to wh- how somebody gets in an open division or how somebody gets in this division or that division? Do you have any way of letting you know our, my listeners know how all that works? Well, I always told. Uh, the director of the tournament that if we weren't in the top division, we wouldn't be going. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> you weren't we going. Were <laughs> hey, I I get that because I, I don't see um, the benefit of going just to say you. Right, right. Uh, you know, when you, what was the best team you you ran across when you played down there? Who'd you, I, who'd you play against? I think uh, Christ the King with Tina Charles was maybe. A, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. they, beat us, <laughs> they beat us in overtime. And uh, I'll never forget that game. And um, But, yeah, that was one of the very best teams. Um, but, gosh, they are. Awesome. I mean, you know, you had the Paris Twins uh, uh, from Piedmont in it. You had, I mean, just phenomenal teams. Um, so, uh, modern day and and uh, so you know yeah if you if you uh, are success- if you go if you get in the winners bracket and go two and two you are a phenomenal team. <laughs> that's now that's that's competition, my friend. That's big yeah. time. That's big it was, time. It, now, it's always fun. Now the next question I got to ask you is: You have coached. Uh, what three McDonald's All American? Uh, four. Or four. That's right. I missed uh, one. Now, when you take a look back at the people you've coached, and of course, obviously they were, I had, they had talents before you got them. 
what things did you think you added to them as a coach that got them to be able to uh, uh, achieve that sort of success and then maybe even go on and achieve success in college? Well, the thing that I always pride myself on as a coach and, and I still do is is to, to get the most out of my players, to make them play as you know, harder than they, than, they, than they think they can play and uh, with more intensity. And our practices uh, dictate how that happens. I mean, we make our practices very intense. And um, so, I mean, I, I think maybe that's what I, I you know, got uh, out of them more than anything else and, and maybe help them uh, and prepare them for the college level. And I mean, I had college coaches come to our practices and go, this is a college practice this is just a college practice and, and they, they just marvel at the intensity. Well, see, that's the thing that I think gets lost when people discuss the program. They just think it's just an amalgamation of all of these tremendous players. And you just happen to be the recipient of it. And I think that's unfair because it's one thing to have a bunch of talent assembled. It's another thing to get it to play at a level that's going to win games. Well, yeah. Play, and the hardest thing is when you got all these so-called stars, and you got to you got to right. assemble them to you got to put them together and 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 get the chemistry. And that's the key is um, uh, make, get making sure everybody everybody's unselfish. Uh, uh, you know, get their ego out out of the way of everything for us to be successful. That that's you know, I mean, you could have talent, but you got to be able to handle the talent. I mean, just personalities. And, and so there's, there's a lot to it. Well, and and that's the part that I think that doesn't get this, you know, vastly underappreciated because I know how hard that is. Now, was there anything you used to do or anything that you did that would try to exacerbate that to try to make it so that, you know, the camaraderie would come or was it something you just let it occur organically? Uh, Both. You know, I mean, I think that you you have to have a game plan, and you got you know, I, I got to have a, a a picture of what the, this should look like uh, when it's all said and done. And so now you got uh, every day you're you're putting this little puzzle together to 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 to, to see that to, to put that picture together that you want to see at the end. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's hard. It's really hard. I mean, it's it, it, um, every day of practice is difficult, and and. Uh, and and I just—I mean, the girls just gave me everything. I mean, it, it just just—they they, just—I think what happens too is uh, when you walk into say to my practices, the players that have been there from the year before that are the returners—they set the tone. And right. They set the tone. So when so when a new player comes in, they're just like they're in awe because they didn't know that a practice could be like this. Now, this sounds like, and let me guess, this is a guess, but you tell me if I'm right or wrong. You subscribe to the same philosophy that the old Boston Celtics used to have, where the veterans are the ones that train the ones behind them to maintain the type of success and discipline of what it takes to win and be champions and not lose a beat. Is that about right? Exactly, and... and <laughs> yeah, it's 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 fun to watch and uh, the new girls coming in, they just they're blown away and and uh and they're but the expectations are there and and the, the returners won't let it won't let it regress. 
Now, like I said, I I, I figured that out because uh, you know over my travels, you know as you know, I went to Washington State. I played for George Ravlin, and I met a lot of his friends, and one of them being Bill Russell, who told me that that he said that he a Celtics basically trained their replacement. <laughs> and when you said that, I'm thinking, I'll bet you he freaking knew that, and that's what he's trying yeah. to do. No, yeah. <laughs> now, the number of girls you've had have played for you, in particular the ones that have really, really gone on to success, were these people that you saw that you knew were going to get there, or people that you figured all you had to do was help them a little bit and they'd get there on their own? And when I speak to that, I speak of like somebody like Chelsea or somebody like Jackie. Yeah. You know, you knew you knew when they walked in the gym, uh, gym the first day that they're that, you know they had stardom written all over them. And, and <laughs> I mean, Jackie, ja- I remember Jackie telling me one time she was a freshman in high school, we're walking out to the parking lot after practice, and she said, uh, you, "You do know, Tom, that." By the time I leave here, no one will even know who you are. <laughs> the freshman, the freshman in high school, she told me that. I just go, oh, it was. Wow. Wow. That's <laughs> that. Well, and you know, as somebody who, who is better and knows her, I, I yeah. believe it. <laughs> oh, yeah. She, I believe it. Yeah. I have no problem. She's like my own daughter. She's a, she's, she's a classic. She's just a once. One uh, once in a lifetime person. Well, and, and that's something else I'd like for you to speak on: the relationships that you've developed with your players. For example, you sent me something today that came from a former player of yours, and I got to read that. It doesn't get any better than that. Explain to the people what I'm talking about about the, what you sent me today from a former player. Well, uh, I I almost tear up when I talk about this because uh, yeah, this is a girl, Sharice uh, Holloway, that came in as a sophomore in high school from Modesto Christian, and uh, when I first got her, uh, she was she would like it'd be one minute before practice every single day, and she didn't even have her shoes on yet. <laughs> I I was so frustrated with her, frustrated like no other and and i'll make this short as i can but um towards as 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 i got to know her more uh she would come into practice and start asking me she said she just got out of religion class and so she would always want to quiz me on the bible (laughs) (laughs) and she was blown away that i knew these questions that she was asking (laughs) and so I think that developed, that was the start of our uh, developing our relationship. And um, so, yeah, I was, she, she sent me this really nice text and, uh, and it really, you know. Well, I read it, Tom, and I can, and I'll tell you something. Um, it, it, it got me too, because the way I'm looking at it, like I said, I, I, I would, pretty much, you know, draw a charge from an oncoming train from my old high school coach, right. Tom O'Neill. Because what he did for me was he made me realize, and he cracked the whip and made me 
realized that if, to be great, you had to have daring. He used to have a saying to me, he said before every game, dare right. to be great. Yeah, good, good. And I never really caught on to that until I got to college and I started playing for George Raveling. And George <laughs> used to say that. <laughs> and I told Coach Raveling, I said, you stole that. He said, how do you know? I said, because my high school coach used to say it. He said, hey, let me tell you something. He stole it from the same place I did, which was Abe Lemons. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you guys are all peeps at this level. He and said, that's, you're doggone right. That's, that's what we do. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a short okay. break right now, and then uh, we'll be right back with the second segment or segment two of uh, Simmons on Sports and my interview with uh, Coach Tom Gonzalez after this. Folks, this is segment two of my interview with Coach Tom Gonzalez of uh, on uh, Simmons on Sports, the SOS Radio Podcast. Coach, we had got into at the end of segment one, uh, you know, a former player that sent you a uh, touching text, and um, I think that the average person in public that watched you coach probably misunderstood your relationship with your players. Because you're a yeller. <laughs> you get on people. And yeah. You get on refs. You have to push but, certain buttons. Explain to people the point of what it is you were doing and what and your style, your coaching style. Please do that. Well, you know, uh, you first of all, you have to treat each player differently. They're, and uh, some people, you could just look at them. You didn't have to yell at them. You didn't have to. You just look at them, and you knew they they got your message. And then there's some players that you had to, you know, kind of kick them in the butt a little bit, and 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 you know, get it out of them. So, you know, that's the most important thing is that you understand what's the right button to push for that particular player. And when you think of that in terms of, like you said, an assemblance of all of this great talent. <laughs> yeah. How how do you keep all that in order? Well, number one, if you if you're hard on your best player, uh, then the other players they will accept it, you know. And if you're consistent with how you handle things, but I, I think you'll get get you know like you, you if you're on your best player a lot and you and you treat them with with uh, uh, the toughness that uh, that you want from the other players, then the other players will follow. Um. I'm going to take particular exception to that comment because my high school coach, Tom O'Neill, used to ride me like a pony. (laughs) (laughs) So I actually get that. I I totally understand because he used to get on me and I'd be looking at him like, why are you doing that? But then (laughs) looking back at it, now I get it. And you just, you just added some, uh, uh, so a support message to that. Yeah. Now, Again, and, and I'm going to bring this up, and this is going to be a, a, a conversation I want people to hear. And I think I know what you're going to say, but I'm going to ask. Some people criticize that you, some of the victory totals in terms of how much you won games by. And I, my response, hold on a sec, hold on. <laughs> my response to that is, is that I think I understand why it happens and how it ends up that way. And I think that sometimes people misinterpreted that. You go ahead as best you can 
and explain to people what what that was. Okay, the thing that this this was hard, and that's why I was glad we got out of the league because number one, we had uh, it, it, we, locally we always had more talent than everybody else, but yet you still expect your players to play at the highest level they possibly can. So would I? Yeah, would be, I was I was thinking you were going to say that. Go ahead. <laughs> what, I, what I had to do is I had to let like a, a team a player like Jackie Jamalish. She wouldn't even be able to play more than uh, she never played a half half a game in league because I wanted her to play hard while she was in there, and instead of have go you know let her play more and go half speed. I I, I didn't want her to play, but beneath her level of uh, ability, you know. And so uh, when you get players like that and and you're put and you're demanding, you can't just ask them to turn the switch off and go easy. You just can't do it. Yeah. Yeah, and see, and how I understand that is, when I was at St. Mary's, we didn't beat people, you know, with some of the scores you were talking about because the league at that time was very, very good. So you didn't have too many games like that. Right. But at the same time, my high school coach used to say straight up, I want you guys to play at a level that I want you at, and I don't want that to ever drop. Right. You yep. play at this level or higher. Yep. Yep, and be prepared for postseason, and prepared for games against people that are better than you. That's what he used to say. Right, and that's the truth, and that's how I, that's how I manage things. And and it was it that was the hardest thing to do is try to make sure your players are playing at a great level and not run up the score on people. It was like you know you, you couldn't win. It was it was a yeah you, know, you got you know I I'd have parents and players mad at me because they didn't get to play very much, and then I'd have the you know, newspaper saying how we're beating people by 80 points, you know, and and uh, it was just a no-win situation from a coaching perspective. See, and I saw that, and I got it. Trust me, because yeah. the thing is, is that you're not playing for them. You're not playing against them because right. you're ultimately going to be playing against somebody better. So you have to have a level that your kids have to stay at because they're going to be there. It ain't going to be that easy, to, you know, when you get to the playoff. Right, right. Yeah, our practices were always so much tougher than our games in league. I mean, uh, but that's what started me getting game uh, playing teams from. The, I just had to go out and find the best competition. Like we'd play on a, a Saturday afternoon against a midi or a Carondelet, or we, you know, and the gym would be packed. And uh, you know, and that was what my goal was to, to get get them prepared for what we would see in the uh, in the playoffs, and especially you know, in uh, NorCal's and state. So at every time that at the beginning of the season, what was your, I mean, I know this is going to sound like a kind of a weird question, but it actually isn't. What was your goal coming into every year to win a national championship? Well, you know, I always told everybody that uh, if we didn't win a state championship, we didn't have a successful year. And, uh, you know, I, I, I coached, I've coached for almost 40 years. And I've only been able I've only been able to end the season with a win seven times, and you know I mean that's because you're always you're always heartbroken when you when you, when you don't win that last game. So you go away driving home, you forget all the accomplishments you did. You just remember you didn't win you didn't you didn't you, you didn't win your last game. See, and I respect that because that tells me what drives you, because. I don't know what it is, but people seem to think that even with really good teams, that winning championships is easy. <laughs> and it ain't. 
Anyway, <laughs> no, seven out of four Please. years. That's you know, it, it's a rarity, and and uh, you know, I mean, to to win, you know, that's seven state championships. You know, no no other coach has done that in California, and uh, uh, and, <laughs> and and you know, I that's I mean, that's probably the ultimate accomplishment. Well, it, again, which, you know, segues into the other question or the next question. As a coach, when you ha- have established that kind of standard, I can recall only one year when you had to kind of reload. Yeah. Yeah. Um, As a coach, when you have to do that, especially after all the success that you've already had, is that an adjustment as far as how you're going to coach them, or yeah. do you have an idea what you're going to do from the start? How does that work? Well, uh, you know, you, you got to know how what's realistic and not. And uh, okay. so, your ultimate goal in coaching is to get the very most that you have out of the talent that you have. And uh, fortunately for me, uh, parents were from all over i mean we had two parents driving an hour and a half to school every day they were they were finding ways to get their kid to our program so we didn't have to reload very often we you, right people right. people found parents found a way to get their kids to the school because they knew that if they could be successful it's, it's an investment for them because they know that ne- the, their 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 daughter's going to go to the next level, and we've had now. I think I had forty, close to forty D one players. That was going to be my next question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you have any idea how many of your players ended up going to the next level? And you answered that. Yeah, one. I think um, about forty somewhere in that area. Now, in terms of uh, all of of just being able to play at the next level, not just at D one. Do you have an idea of how many people that is? Oh gosh, no. But, but I, I will tell you, every girl that I have on my team can go to the next level. Every girl. Now, it, when you look at that and have that kind of luxury, which most coaches don't, <laughs> do you sometimes have to look at things from a more pragmatic point of view to say how you're going to approach uh, a season? Or do you look at it at every season as, you know, I'm going to squeeze the last ounce out of these kids, no matter who they are, no matter what they do, because the point is not just to, to win, but to win and make these better players. Is that, how does that, how do you view that? Well, I, my, my goal, like I said earlier, is, is to get the most out of each and every player. And, um, but you got to be realistic. I mean, some players are, are power five players. Some players are, uh, you know, mid-majors. And uh, But my goal is to get the most out of the talent that they have individually and uh, prepare them for the next level. And it's not easy. I mean, I, I'm pretty hard. Uh, I mean, on the court, I'm very hard. Off the court, I can, I, I, I mean, they would, they'll, they'll search me out when I'm on campus just to talk to me. But on the court, it's a whole different, it's all business. <laughs> <laughs> well, and see, that's the part that I think needs to, uh, that people need to understand about who you are as a coach. 
and who you are as a person because both of those are two separate things yeah and i think it's important go ahead go ahead speak on that i think it's important that the players see you as a person not only as a coach i think the more interaction i have with them off the court they get to know me and they go god this guy's not a bad guy after all you know and uh they see the other side of me that really i mean i'm a dad and and I, I don't want to treat anybody's daughter any differently than I would want my daughters to be treated. And but uh, it's also a fine line because you got to get, you got to push certain buttons, and 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 it's not always it's not always easy, and it's not always uh, something they want to hear or something they want to do. So on the court, it's got to be you know you got to separate that. They but but if they know you off the court as a good guy and a nice guy, and they like to talk to you, that makes the on court stuff a lot easier. Okay, so there's so what you're telling me is there's a method to the madness. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now, when it comes to looking or evaluating players in terms of the ones you have, in terms of the ones that you know are new or just arriving, do you break them down as you get them to, to in terms of what stuff that you see them doing, what things they need to do to improve? Uh, is there some sort of dichotomy that you use to try to figure out what's best for each kid or is it just something you do as it goes or or is it a mold well, talk to me about well, it the, I think it's really important that I meet with each girl individually before I mean before the season starts before at the and at the end of the season so I I want them to know what my expectations are of them as individuals and what they need to do in the off season to get to that point where I want them. Um, and so I, it's almost like we have individual goals for each player before they even, uh, before the season even starts and they've had all summer to work on it. I've established what their needs are and what their, their, what they need to improve on. And, and so, uh, there's a there's a lot of communication prior to the season uh because i want them to to know my expectations and what might and i want to set goals individual goals for them see and, and like for example and i i was before all this so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to train me on this one i was before that whole aau thing I played CYO. (laughs) So I haven't a clue and only until my son started playing it did I even understand the concept of it. What is or what role does AAU have in uh, developing kids or getting kids noticed or um, the impact it has on women's basketball? Please elaborate on that. Hey, back. Okay. okay. This is segment three, folks, of uh, Simmons on Sports Radio podcast with Coach Tom Gonzalez. We had gotten into the AAU or started to get into the presence and impact of AAU basketball on high school and, uh, you know, the uh, and college sports. 
how do you manage that? What is what is it that you have to do when you're dealing with people in terms of you know the huge presence of AAU basketball? How do you address that? How do you deal with the coach? Well, that's a good question. Um, number one, I think AAU is out of control. I think they, <laughs> I think it, I think it's played too much, um, and uh, and that's why you see the injuries that you do. Um, now that being said, it's important that they go to a, a an AU program. The, um, for instance, the the Cal Stars one I'm affiliated with uh, is they they teach fundamentals, they teach skill, and um, and they teach you how to be a team player. But a lot of times, a, a, a girl would come back to me after the summer and. And they get a different attitude, and it's almost because it, it, AAU has a little bit of a different attitude for the most part than high school does. And, and I think high school is more of a team concept, whereas AAU, for most, are, are is an individual. And and I get that. Um, I think there is some good to it. Don't get me wrong, but uh, uh, it, it, it's difficult for high school coaches a lot of times when you when you get a player back from the summer. Uh, you have to kind of like re reprogram them to what you want done well is it a uh just the a factor in how aau works or does it depend on the program or is it all this situation or is it all those things combined that have turned this into uh what i call just a a, a free-for-all mess <laughs> well very well put uh i think the problem that with aau i mean if the I mean, the colleges need to to put limitations, and there's got to be limitations uh, somehow, so that the players aren't playing. That's my big gripe: is the players are playing too much, and their bodies are just getting wore out and torn down. Uh, but you, you, there are some good AAU programs out there. Don't get me wrong; it's just um, I would like to see uh, the, the the shoe companies. And the the NCAA, NCAA step in and and uh, maybe just slow it down a little bit and and um, and you know from a high school coach's perspective that that's just my feeling. Well, and and uh, I agree with that. By the way, <laughs> and I think that. But what I saw. And I'm going to bring up something that's going to make us both a little sad a little bit. But I saw something coming in the uh, for girls basketball that would have, in my opinion, made a huge difference um, in terms of Kobe and Gigi Bryant. Right, right. I saw those two as being the ones that could make AAU girls basketball on par in terms of how it was perceived as it is with the boys. Right, right. And the difference I thought was that Kobe was willing to go and teach the kids what he knew in terms of breaking them down and making them better players, but do it with female, with you know, the female athlete. Right. Yeah, he was. Speak a, a little bit. Speak a little bit on that because I know you know something about all that yeah um speak to that if you can well yeah he's such he was such a strong advocate for girls basketball and uh it's a big loss and uh he yeah i mean i think he had i think he just got it you know he figured it out where 
he was able to, uh, you know, that he, uh, first of all, I don't know if he treated anybody differently. Uh, I mean, I don't think he treated females any different than he would a male. I mean, I think he coached them uh, like, like they needed to be coached. Well, coming from you, you did the same thing. <laughs> yeah. well, that, and, and, you know, I coached boys for 17 years before I coached girls. And yeah. matter of fact, when I first got to Toke, that's a whole number story. We, uh, I, I hated St. Mary's with a passion. And I remember the first time. Well, I could take offense to that, but I won't in this particular situation because I understand. So go right ahead, sir. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I'm kind of getting off the subject here, but, uh, you know, my, my, when I first got here, I, I'll never forget, we beat St. Mary's for the first time. And I had to call into the Stockton record and tell him, yeah, we were at the Gridley tournament. And I, we beat St. Mary's and I called it in and he goes, wait a minute. Tokay beat St. Mary's at Stockton. And I go, <laughs> I go, I go, I said, what's the big deal? Because I didn't really know the history when I first got to, to, to Lodi and, I didn't know the, the how dominant St. Mary's had been, and and uh, so my, you know, as competitive as I am, I I, I just I just hated. You didn't care. <laughs> you didn't care. No, no, and so yeah, I had to convince them that, I had to convince them that I, that we actually did beat them in gritty that that year. <laughs> but uh, uh, it was, uh, but you know what? We dominated them for the next ten years, so I, I feel good about that accomplishment. Well. Like I said, and, and and yeah, you did get away from the original question. That's okay. That's okay. Well, that's okay because no, we, we'll, was... we're going to get to the other part of it. But yeah, here was I. I know that you saw what was going on with girls basketball and how Kobe was coaching them, and I would like to for you to elaborate on that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, that's what I was going to on the Toke thing is because because I coached boys before. When I started coaching girls, I I didn't know any other way. This is the way basketball is supposed to be played. This is how hard you play. And it was it was new to girls basketball. I mean, we were just we were we were devastating opponents by our intensity, and yes, you know, and that's and that was a big part of it. And and you know, since then, other programs now have, have uh, you know, I mean, I think girls basketball in general has, has gotten uh, to that point where hey, you know what? There's no reason why you can't play the same as a boy. And that <laughs> that's how Kobe that's how Kobe perceived it, you know, and and that's how. I mean, um, uh, you, you know, there, there's a lot of things you have to do differently with girls, and, and how do you how do you handle them on a daily basis? Uh, that, you know, their emotions are are, are are quite different than a guy. A guy, you know, you can just get them on the line, and if they had if they didn't feel like practicing, you could get it out of them by getting them on the line and make them run. <laughs> Sometimes if a girl doesn't feel like practicing, there's nothing you're gonna do. You better change your game plan. You better change your practice plan. <laughs> we'll see and, and, and why I, I laugh at that is, is that see you know I don't know how much you know about my family history but my sister uh, played at Edison and she was one of the better uh, players in the history of Edison High School and I understand the idea of playing against a girl and letting her you know and compete, having her compete like a guy because that's what she did right right and I can tell you right now her and a girl named Eleanor Banks uh huh they were the two f- girls in this area that played the way you described. Right, right, right. And why? Because they played with guys. Exactly. 
and getting back to Jackie Jamel. I mean, that she would go down after practice and go down to 24 hour fitness and, right. and, and she'd be playing against the guys like, uh, and that's how I played like a guy. I saw her. I, there were times when I went in there, <laughs> I stick my head in the door, and she's in there playing with the guys and holding her own. And I'm like, okay, I've seen this? I've seen this movie before. Okay, <laughs> and see, and I think that's another part that doesn't get discussed much is the fact that you coached women's basketball in a different way for the first time. You this area wasn't a hotbed for women's basketball until somebody like you shows up and starts tossing in a two a two two one full court press aggressive play diving for loose balls yeah <laughs> that kind of stuff yeah the ultimate compliment I got I, I think I read it in the Sacramento Bee was we were getting ready to play an opponent and he said that uh, <laughs> he said he was practicing against against nine girls, nine girls he put on the court because it always seemed like there was nine girls when you played St. Mary's on the court for them at one time. And that's how, you know, we play, how hard we play. You guys' press, I, I can't remember the year, but I remember I went to Arco and watched you guys press somebody into submission, <laughs> man. And it was, no, I'm, I'm serious, man. I'm sitting in the stands and I'm saying to myself, now, you know what, if it, if you're going to turn a bunch of people loose like that and get them to play that hard under these circumstances, something's going right. Because I'm telling you, the other team basically folded up like a freaking chair. They wanted no more of that. Yeah, you know, and, and, and the pace we played at, by the end of the, by halfway through the third quarter, teams were already getting, they, they're they, done. Couldn't, they couldn't sustain, because we did that every day of practice, and they couldn't sustain that. They weren't used to it. So that was part of your coaching uh, strategy was to wear people down by the third quarter they're done. Yeah, I always told my players that I want to make it so hard on the player on the on your on our opponents that they'll just hand you the ball. They were tired of it. They were <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's funny. <laughs> but see but I get it. And like I said, the thing is, I'm not just discussing some abstract thing with you. I actually saw that happen. I saw you guys playing games against teams from Sacramento. And you guys, and they just basically just gave up. They were like, you know what? This ain't worth it. I'd rather just, you know, I'll just go home, take my L, and it is what it is. Yeah. And it, it was part of a mindset. And, like, the thing that I always was impressed also was you guys went and played against the quote-unquote Sacramento big power schools, and you never backed down. Right, right. Well, I and I can even tell by the way you coached, there were certain people you had you were going <laughs> after. <laughs> well, one of my favorite stories is um, we were we went down to Hanford. Hanford was like the the best team, and um, they were unbelievable. And I go, hey, we got to get down there, and we got to we got to uh, play play these guys and show them who we are. And uh, we, but I got there right before the freshman game started, and the gym was packed. I mean, it was packed, and during the freshman <laughs> game, I mean, that's how the Hanford fans just love their team. Well, 
we took care of business and there was an article in the Fresno Bee the next day and it said uh, <coughs> excuse me it said St. Mary's does the Hanford what Hanford does to everybody else <laughs> I think we, we 40 pointed I think it was a running clock at the end of the game that's amazing well see like I said it's an attitude and uh, there was like a swag that your teams would have when you competed against teams that let them know that the only way they were going to get beat you guys was by being better than you guys. Exactly. Nothing was going to get handed nope. to them. You're going to have to come and well, beat even, e- even when we walked into the Nike TOC, you could hear people say, hey, that's St. Mary Stockton. Right? No? Yeah. See, and that's, that's the thing, like I told you. I, I found out just by going to a basketball clinic with about three or four thousand other coaches from around the country, I just wore a St. Mary's hat, and I'm having people running up to me, talking to me about, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you and you, man, that school is something else," and blah blah blah. And I'm going, really? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I I'm used to them doing stuff like this. I didn't realize the impact was that big, but that's how far. Well, we gone. Did, you know, I mean, we we went to Washington D.C. Uh, and uh, you know, and played in what was called a Title Nine and. And you know, this one of the great experiences we had. We went to all the monuments, we went to the White House, and and but yeah, but we played against the best competition, and and uh, we just blew out uh, opponents uh, from New York area and all over the country, and and they, I mean, I think we just established a reputation, and 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 I think we deserved it. Well, it, 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 you definitely deserved it. <laughs> That's not the issue because you guys did with it what you had to do to make it happen. Now, I, it would be intellectually dishonest of me and extremely disingenuous to not address the elephant in the room, which is the fact that you are no longer uh, the head coach at St. Mary's High School. Now, in, in this question, I recognize that all people at some point reach a point in a relationship, in a marriage, in a friendship or whatever, where things go a right. different way and where somebody sees one thing one way, somebody sees one thing another way, a philosophy changes, an attitude changes, something that causes the relationship to not work. Well, and I think that in this particular case, I'm going to let you speak to the fact that, uh, you know, how, how this ends up being a situation in terms of, uh, how this ended up in okay. this manner okay uh, yeah and i you know i'm not i'm not here to bash on anybody or anything but I, i'll just tell you one thing i i got called in a meeting about three weeks ago um and um the president talked to me and and said and we talked for about a half hour laughing and joking and all that and he goes they want to go a different direction and i go what and then i said why and he just kept on saying they, they, they. And I said, but don't I deserve a explanation, a reason? And he just stood there. He just sat there and was speechless. He didn't have a reason. And that's that. I think that's the thing that why I'm as upset as anything else is there was no explanation there was no reason there was nothing that happened and so 
you know, uh, it is what it is. And I, I tell you, this was the strangest thing. And I was telling somebody earlier this. I I was driving home after that meeting, and I was kind of, you know, stunned. But by the time I got home, I had this feeling like, you know what? I feel really good. I, I, I don't ask me why I felt that way. I just felt like something good is gonna happen here. I feel like, uh, you know, that that uh, I just wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't really upset. I, it's like I just had a, a, a very positive attitude. Well, I'm gonna look at it from this way. I actually understand that perspective, and I'll tell you why. Over the course, it's like. A friend of mine, and you know who he is, named Scott oh, Brooks. I know Scott real well. I've heard him say that what costs NBA coaches their job is people get listen to the same voice and the same thing over and over again, and finally people exactly. stop listening. Yep. When he said that, it explained to me a lot of how a lot of relationships that have worked well in the past end up well. well not I go working. a step further. Do you realize? So, when I did something, when we won, and and uh, uh, it it was like, oh, it was no big deal. It was like uh, expected. Uh, there was yeah. no, yeah. there was no appreciation. <laughs> you know, we won our thirteenth straight section championship this year. That's unheard of. I yeah. didn't get, I didn't, yeah. I didn't get one text. <laughs> I didn't get one handshake. I didn't get one phone call from any administrator. And I just go, you know, this is now becoming, we, we have no cheerleaders. We had nobody in the stands. Uh, you know, our whole rooting section in, at, at uh, the Golden One Center, I looked up St. Mary's rooting section. There wasn't one person in our rooting section. Oh, I mean, I, I was, it was devastating to, to look at. And, and, and I just felt, uh, I think, I guess that's why I felt okay. It's because I felt very unappreciated. Well, and like I said, and I, 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 that's why I brought up Scott. Like he said, it doesn't even matter what you've done up to that point. You can just reach a point to where people yeah. stop listening, where people stop paying attention, where people stop giving you know praise when people stop respecting what you've done he said and when that happens he says and it's organic it's not nothing right. you did wrong necessarily it's just that's just the way it is and it's right. time to move right. on and that's where i'm at um now and that's and i had a feeling like i said just based on life experiences that, that yeah. that's where you're at so it, this goes to the next question and it'll be the final one of of, of our interview what's ahead for you do you have any idea do you want to you have something you want to do is there something you're you just going to play it by ear where where, where are you at i have a game plan okay and my game plan is very simple i want i'm definitely going to coach but i want to coach i want to get a job that wows me that wows me that that uh you know that i get excited about and a challenge and where i'm appreciated so i really yeah I, i i've i've been contacted by three different schools and I you know I uh, that's pretty much where we're at um, uh, I I just have a great feeling something good's gonna happen now are you 
in a hurry to do it fast or soon or are you going to just play it by ear or are you going to just let it organically happen how it happens what what you know are you going to make a decision you know you know soon or it, how you, uh, it's like uh you know it, it, when do i find that wow situation uh so i guess playing it by ear and just letting things happen uh there's no job that i am pursuing i haven't pursued any job uh i've been okay. contacted by three different schools and there's one in particular that i'm very interested okay okay so that's kind of where you know i can see that you're you're looking from the perspective of you're going to take what you feel is going to offer you the best challenge because it's obvious you're a competitor and you compete yeah. at everything <laughs> yeah well, it sounds to me like some this little thing I've been watching lately called the Last <laughs> Dance. But we ain't gonna go. Well, I, I, I tell you what, I, I'm probably the most competitive person you've ever known in your life. So when I watch that show, I, you know, I can relate to it. And as somebody who knows you from the periphery, I kind of got that. I kind of <laughs> figured that. Hey, man, I want to tell you I, thank you. And with all of the maelstrom of all of this stuff going on. Um, I know that you probably had some trepidations, but quite frankly, I enjoyed what we just did. I uh, appreciate what you have done for my old high school. And, uh, you know, I, I wish you well in the future. And I want people to listen to this and understand that uh, over time, all things change. And it doesn't have to be a negative. It is exactly. what it is. I mean, I'm excited and nervous at the same time. <laughs> well I, I get that too man but like I said thank you for coming on man it has been an absolute yeah. pleasure and uh, as always I wish you luck in anything that you get involved in and uh, uh, you know I hope you make I hope you get, you find something to uh, yeah, scratch that itch for <laughs> I appreciate it thanks for having me and uh, when can I when do people when can people listen to this this will be out to tonight on all of my ASD Sports Media uh, social okay. media and also on the Anchor app, which I think you just downloaded, and also on Spotify. Okay, when I told people I was going to be on this, they, they, all, they all wanted to get on and listen to it live. <laughs> oh, well, no. Well, see, that's the thing is that because of the fact that it's I record it so that I can edit it and put in stuff in and out of it because I'm, I'm I mean I don't have a studio board and some guy who's producing this so I gotta kind of do it myself so that's the reason why I record it and then I go back and do it and then I release it in the evening so it'll be about 7pm tonight are you, it should so be are you gonna put it on social media like right away that how they can listen to it yeah I'll explain how, how okay. everybody can get to it okay it's not a All right. well I appreciate your help this was fun there yeah, it was. And uh, like I said, one of these times we got to get yep. together and do this if not for okay, lunch. Thank something. you so much. Not right, a problem, my later, friend. Bye. All right, folks, that was Coach Tom Gonzalez on the uh, final uh, segment of Simmons on Sports uh, radio show and podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. You guys have a great evening. Bye bye. <laughs>